0: If you want to know how to create like the greats, let's break it down. Welcome to Create Like the Greats. My name is Ross Simmons. I'm the founder and CEO of Foundation Marketing. We're a company that works with some of the biggest names in software ranging from B2B companies that you probably use and utilize in your regular life and you might not even know it. Whether it's a MarTech software or software that actually helps organizations create companies and create infrastructure around their business, we do it all. But That's not what I'm here to talk about today. No, today I'm talking about what we do at Foundation and how we help companies every single day get their stories out there. I'm going to be talking about my beliefs, my thoughts, and our entire organization's perspective around content distribution. You see, over the last few years, content marketing has kind of taken, in my opinion, a bit of a step back. We've taken a step back on the back of a few bad actors who have created companies that focus exclusively on one element of content marketing, content. They've allowed the concept, the principles, the ideas, and the philosophies that make up that second word in the industry, content marketing, go to the wayside. Content marketing is rarely a two word phrase in the minds of many where many organizations focus exclusively on creating, 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 Foundation recognizes the nuances and importance of thinking holistically around every marketing strategy. Most recently, I had the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation with the team over at Dream Data. And in this episode, I'm going to be sharing with you that conversation, that dialogue, the dialogue that we had to discuss the power of content distribution and the various ways that it can be used to unlock amazing returns for your business. Buckle up, enjoy, and let's get to the episode. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with your customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. It's kind of like trying to remember the name of the guy that you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron? Was it Don? Was it John or Sean? Who knows, right? It's like that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution product, at least. It brings service and success together in one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an ai-powered help desk and an ai chatbot that helps handle frontline tickets fast plus it comes with a customer success workspace that helps your reps anticipate customers needs and a full 360 view of every customer so you can go to market and your go-to-market team can have a pulse on the accounts before you try to upsell or cross sell also, you can scale support, drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means? Better service, happier customers at every single stage of the journey. Visit hubspot.com/service to do more with your customers today.
1: Hello everybody and welcome on board to to another the live session here with us at uh, at Dreamdata. As you know, I'm Stefan, uh, and I'm not the important guy here today. <laughs> we have uh, Ross Simmons joining us, who's gonna help us learn a lot more about uh, content distribution, which is a thing. Is probably, you know, probably testify to that afterwards, Ross, that it's probably an undervalued discipline compared mm. to all the efforts that go into to creating content. I, I know we we spend a lot of most of our time on that first part of it. But um, before jumping into all this, Ross, kind of what would be the, like that one minute intro to, to who you are and what you do on a, on a database basis?
0: Definitely. I'm Ross. Um, I'm a digital marketing strategist and entrepreneur. I run a company called Foundation Marketing. We work with some of the most ambitious brands in B2B SaaS, developing their content strategies as well as executing those content strategies um, with a, a fully remote team. Um, and we get the chance to do some pretty cool work with uh, companies like Canva, Unbounce, etc. over the years. And it's, uh, it's been a, a fun journey and a fun ride. And uh, we love um, just working in B2B SaaS, influencing pipeline on the
1: back of content. Mm-hmm super nice what what would be the typical projects you would be hired to to help these companies out with so it's it's
0: a very connected to the episode in this combo that we're having. So a lot of brands over the years have struggled with a simple concept and that is distribution. They've invested a ton of time and energy creating content. They write blog posts, they create eBooks, they create white papers, they create case studies, they develop all of these great assets that when they're in the arms of their ideal customer, they're in the eyes of their ICP, they actually drive results for the business. Those pieces sometimes stagnate, they sometimes start to decay, they no longer rank, they no longer generate Mm. traffic, or they become completely just collecting dust because their sales team no longer (laughs) promotes it. Um, What we do is we come in, we identify, we do an audit, we review their content assets, and then we identify distribution tactics and techniques that they can use to distribute and spread those stories. So we'll take old blog posts, we'll repurpose them, we'll take podcasts, we'll repurpose them, we'll take ebooks, we'll turn them into social content that they can share on linkedin we take all of those existing assets and start to repurpose and repackage them so those clients are able to constantly show up in front of their audience with highly relevant and engaging content we also optimize old content so content that might have been published in 2020 that was making references to things happening at that time we would go back update those pieces to current date with new relevant information, stats, et cetera, and are running that engine for our partners. So long story, getting a little bit longer around what we do for our partners, (laughs) essentially the full suite of content marketing. Um, And we really have this belief that uh, um, it comes down to like, instead of just being so focused on creating, 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 that it's important that we think about distribution, research, optimization, all of those other elements of it, um, because the whole content marketing industry in many ways has fallen victim into thinking that it's just about content when it's actually content marketing. Um, So focus
1: on the full suite. <laughs> cool, yeah I think that you really put the finger on a, a classic problem for all of us uh, who does content. And yeah just for anybody who's listening in here, feel free to to join the conversation through the chat then we can we can bring up the questions to to Ross yes. as, um, as we <laughs> Sorry, as we well, uh, I get I, excited when I talk about distribution and uh, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Not bad. Um, so where should we start? ross kind of what is the um maybe we should if we start by thinking about uh, like diagnosing uh yeah, like your company uh, when you like start looking at a potential client and yeah. um, how do you kind of do that flyover scan of uh where, where's the potential is yes. it like, looking at think- existing stuff or is it looking at the market what's all possible or what is kind of the like entry level you do yeah, so the way we like
0: to think about it is like content market fit as a concept. So the same way that there's product market fit, we believe that there's content market fit. And what yeah. you need to do is do some research up front to understand what stories are going to actually resonate with your audience. And the way that you do that is twofold. Either you can use third-party information to understand it, or you can actually get firsthand information by actually diving into conversations with your audience, the customers, the people you're trying to serve, Or reviewing transcripts from sales, reviewing the actual gong recordings, whatever it might be that you use, listening to those to understand what are pain points that you're hearing often, looking at reviews on G2 around problems that people are having, looking at competitors' reviews. We dive into all of this stuff. Um, Then once you have all of this information, you should be able to pull away a few key insights. Insights around the types of stories that your audience cares about when they're making a decision associated with your product. So Mm -hmm start to see that these are certain questions that are showing up frequently, or you start to see that these are certain types of content that generate a ton of traction within a community. Let's say, for example, I'm targeting developers and I'm talking to these individuals. I'll go into a channel like Hacker News. I'll sort the content for top posts, but I will use a keyword that is relevant to my ICP. Let's say, for example, I'm talking to developers who work in the SMS space. Mm-hmm. I might just type in SMS protocols, SMS development, blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah, something yeah. that is into that niche. Sort the content by top posts, identify pain points and problems that people talk about often in this space. Now I have content market fit in the sense that I know a few themes that this audience cares about. Mm-hmm. Once I have that, I then have to understand where my ICP is spending time. So I now have channel um i have content user fit i know what type of content my users want now i need to understand where my audience is actually
1: spending time so yeah. if i create content like that i can go right. then, Maybe so- just to, to break you i think you said so many good things already there yeah right? no worries i think the like what struck me is kind of we've been collecting reviews on g2 but mm. we haven't you know once in a while we browse through what people write but we 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 tend to forget that this is real people writing stuff right, right. Uh, so i think just wanted to like put a note there for everybody listening yeah. if you're collecting reviews anywhere like yeah and you're doing content make sure you write them and try to synthesize uh, value yeah. out of them one powerful thing with G2
0: that we've done is you scrape all of your reviews, run an n-gram analysis around like how many times do four or three word combinations show up in that text, and you'll start to see trends. So, if mm-hmm. and then what you can also do now with ChatGPT is run an analysis across that analysis of saying things that sound like this, and mm-hmm. then you're able to see like what are the sentiments that are oftentimes being said. Using this research, we've done it against like brand's competitors and it has allowed us to get insights into these are the types of things that people hate about this product. Yet, use this messaging in the content that we create, in the stories that we put out, in the landing pages that we write. So you're able to combat things that real people are saying directly in the copy and in the content. So that's essentially like the research part of the process. And then once you have done the research to understand the way that your audience thinks, figure out where they're spending time. And yeah. start distributing those stories on those specific channels so if you know your audience is in hacker news you're going to mm-hmm. go into hacker news and you're going to submit the content but before yeah. you do that you have to study hacker news to understand how they like to consume content because you don't want to get blocked you don't want yeah. to get
1: the yeah, yeah, yeah. same thing
0: in a slack community and a forum etc you need to understand the spaces you're on it could even be linkedin mm. certain types of content does well on linkedin certain type of content does well on twitter you figure out where your audience is and then you apply your strategy to that and share your content on those channels appropriately. I think that's really
1: good stuff. Uh, just <laughs> trying to like write men- mental notes from, for, for myself. <laughs> no uh, I think one thing where I've a good example like of Hacker News, I, I tried a few times, I tried doing stuff on Reddit as well. And it's, I know it's big, but I also know it's a community I don't follow. So I, I can't right. kind of get that feel of how is it that you like post stuff here? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, too old to write stuff here. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a
0: great call. Like a lot of people struggle with that. Like you're not alone. And I think like I've, I've cracked the code on Reddit. I can go yeah. on Reddit tomorrow and I can get on the front page with relative confidence. But the thing that I do that's different is you have to understand that you have to do that research up front. So every subreddit is going to be different. Every subreddit covers a different topic and every subreddit has its own culture, community, and they have their own expectations and the things that they talk about, the way that they want content is different. And what you need to do is study that. The way that I do it is I go into these subreddits, I sort the content by top posts, when you sort it of by top post, you're going to start to identify the formats that are most frequent, the topics that are the most frequent, and the style of the content that is most frequent. When you see this, you should be able to gauge what type of content you can distribute into these communities. Mm. So, for example, if I'm going into um, a subreddit like Our Entrepreneur which is dedicated to entrepreneurs who talk about their business. A few things that you will immediately see is that they love text-driven posts. So in that subreddit, if you're going to try to generate traction, you need to go into that community with a text-driven post. It's not going to be a link. It's just going to be a lot of text. You're essentially running a blog post in that community. The second thing you'll notice is that they love transparency. They want to see numbers. They want to see screenshots of your Stripe account, of your PayPal account, They want you to bear it all. So if you're not comfortable sharing the details, the specifics, you're probably not gonna get a lot of traction on our entrepreneur because they want to see exactly what happens beneath the surface. So you wanna embrace those types of first principles. When you do that, you submit it to the community with confidence you will be able to generate results on the back
1: <laughs> there's a short <laughs> snippet that we should be, be distributing afterwards that's it that's it exactly <laughs> exactly you, well, how do you do this kind of uh i, I, I really agree about this like studying where yeah. people are yeah kind of what would be the textbook approach to like like how do you then like you get a new customer Yep. What is the process to figuring out where is it that we need to dis- be be distributing? Yeah. So it starts with a conversation with the client. So
0: when we are taking on a new partner at Foundation, we actually set off with a kickoff. And during that kickoff, we're asking a ton of questions. We have a questionnaire that they fill out to ensure that we're informed. We understand their ICP. And then we start asking questions about what we've learned from our preliminary research that we would do where we're taking data from tools like SparkToro to understand what podcasts they listen to. We're taking data from things like audience with an S to better understand what other accounts their audience might be following. We start to then use tools like BuzzSumo to understand what content is generating traction amongst these subcultures in these communities. Then we use things like Twitter search to actually do research around keywords to see what phrases and what topics went viral. We use all of this work up front, that we call essentially our strategy and research phase to understand yeah. channel user fit, content user fit, and then we start to actually create and distribute the content that we've identified. Um, we do an on site audit of their existing pieces. All of these things take place over the course of about two months up front, and then we move into the execution phase.
1: Wow. Yeah, just curious. I've I've been following Rain Fishkin since he did mm. uh, Whiteboard Fridays. Yeah. <laughs> but how does how does that tool work, uh, SparkToro? Yeah. I've only like briefly looked at the website.
0: Yeah. So SparkToro is a great tool. It's one of our favorite tools in our toolkit that gives you the ability to better understand the behaviors of the people within a certain group or culture. So for example, if I'm trying to connect with people who have a deep interest in the Philadelphia Eagles, I can take the Philadelphia Eagles social accounts, plug them into SparkToro. They do an analysis of their followers and will tell me the different things that people who follow that team might interested in i could do the same thing for dream data i could submit your account and then within the matter of seconds no the people who follow dream data are interested in these different topics they listen to these podcasts they follow these subreddits and they're actually subscribed to these newsletters why is that information possible and valuable because you can now use that to inform the podcast that you sponsor the podcast that you conduct outreach to to try to become a guest on and then you go from there for me it's kind of like a perfect example is this You folks connect with B2B minds. Our company service big B2B minds. For me to do research on dream data and understand that the people who listen to this podcast are going to be my ICP is valuable insight. So SparkToro is a great shortcut for getting insight into whether or not you should take an opportunity, whether a partnership is there. The opportunities are truly endless. It's a great tool. Strongly recommend it.
1: Super nice. Yeah, okay. It makes a lot of sense. So... Just going back to the list, the first one is – what was the first one? <laughs> content user fit. So do the research up front. And then like the – the Is there another step then when, once you've figured out the, the different kind of channel options? Yeah. So after you figured out the
0: channel options, you now need to create good content. And yeah. there's four types of content that I believe are – good content across the board. If a piece of content that you're developing doesn't fall into these categories, it's probably not a piece of content you should create. <laughs> content that either educates people, engages people, empowers people, or entertains people. If you can do all four, then you're going to win a Grammy and like you're going to be amazing. But just having content that educates people, engages, entertains, or empowers is key. When I say educate, oftentimes people think I'm always talking about like, I have to be an academic and create this very formal document. It doesn't need to be that, right? Like what you're doing on a day-to-day basis with these podcasts is educational content. So this is an example of educational content. Yeah, Engaging content is when you put up a post and you're asking for advice, you're looking for feedback, you're looking for suggestions. What did I miss? You'll see a lot of these types of assets on Twitter generate tons of traction or the site formerly known as Twitter, now known as (laughs) Rackney,
1: but like you would
0: see a lot of people putting up these posts and people responding. That's engagement-driven content. Empowering content is when you see a brand create a piece that are like the 10 people that you must follow in a certain niche, or these are the five... X, Y, and Z industry or companies that you need to follow in 2025, whatever it might be. You're empowering other people. It's also ego bait. So those brands are going to (laughs) like that share It reaches their audience. And now you have additional traction. The final type is entertaining, which is arguably the most difficult, especially in B2B, because a lot of times in B2B industries and B2B spaces. People kind of view it as a very professional setting. It doesn't always have to be knee slapping hilarity and fun humor. It could just be a meme. It could be poking fun at a problem that everyone in your industry has. Entertaining content falls into that category. So long story, getting a little bit longer again, educate, engage, entertain, um, and empower, create content that falls into that bucket. And then the next step is to distribute it across all those channels that you did research on.
1: Yeah, like speaking of the uh, entertain, uh, my colleague Sam he was the guy who created this meme with the, the cheerleader and then the forty two marketing touches and deal closed. Nice. you probably seen it. I did see that. He and he, he, he like it's just been stolen, which is the purpose right. of memes, but it's right. probably been seen by millions of people. Yeah. But it does also actually express that you like you we understand the the world right. of B two B marketed that you right. do a ton of stuff that never gets measured, and then there's the salesperson that just closes the deal. So right. we've definitely seen like, using memes, a way of expressing we, we know the industry, but yeah. we also can create something that is somewhat uh, entertaining. I love it. I love it. That's the coolest part about the the space, right? Like, for probably
0: a few years ago, everyone was like, "Oh no, our brand can't touch memes. That's outside of our brand guidelines. That's outside of our brand um, rules and regulations, kind of thing." But today, I think more and more organizations are starting to realize that the internet culture is real and the way that people communicate on the internet is different than it was 10, 15 years ago. And memes are a form of communication. They're a form of spreading stories, spreading messages across a wide range of different cultures. And even within a subculture as geeky and technical as B2B attribution and revenue attribution, meme can do wonders. So I think people really need to, in many ways, get over the fear of memes and and embrace them more.
1: Yeah. We, I've even, you know, If something goes somewhat viral, it's all then also the validation that here's a good piece of content. So I've been taking the best of the memes and then putting into ads and then putting them into in front of cold audiences. So like here's the thing that is validated already. It should also work if we then pay for it to put it in front of the people we think is our uh, ICP. I love that. I think that's
0: a a meme is a great shortcut to identifying content market fit. What I mean by that is if a story resonates from a meme level and it generates a lot of traction, there's probably some lags there that you can double down on and start to recreate new formats of content in a similar vein that talk to that same same idea. So those memes that have generated a ton of of traction could also turn into blog posts on the same topic. The meme could be the social sharing image. It could also be a Twitter thread. It could be a LinkedIn update. It could be a webinar. It could be an entire video series. There are so much legs that a viral piece should give a brand, but oftentimes doesn't most brands will see that viral hit and they'll say, that was it. We got lucky. But instead (laughs) what they should do is double down. They should double down on that idea, double down on that insight, and start to create more and more pieces that rotate around that story and theme that took off and resonated with so many people.
1: Yeah, spot on. Um, let's return to the chronology afterwards, but I just want to yeah. ask: you what, what, which social platforms are you biggest on right now, and yeah. is it shifting towards others, or like, what does that landscape look for you personally?
0: Yeah, so across the board, B2B is our focus. LinkedIn is still the goat when it comes to B2B. Um, LinkedIn is a great channel for driving sales, for driving pipeline, for driving revenue. We're seeing tons of traction there. X, when it comes to tech and selling to technical founders, technical leaders, um, is still a very valuable channel as well. Um, We see a lot of value in leveraging X as a channel for creating content, Mm -hmm. distributing content, repackaging content and so on and so forth. Now, here's one that is a sleeping giant that everyone should know and does know, but very rarely do I see it being leveraged very well, and that's YouTube. YouTube is the second most popular search engine in the world. It happens to be owned by the first most popular search engine in the world. They're (laughs) kind of in cahoots, but for some reason, a lot of people ignore YouTube as a distribution channel. That webinar, that podcast, that clip that you recorded should all be uploaded to YouTube long form, but also short form with different clips uploaded to shorts, optimize yeah. those descriptions, optimize those titles, make sure that they have captions, make sure that they have some good cuts, upload that content, and you can do some significant numbers there. Um, there is a major, major underinvestment in YouTube within the B2B space, and the brands, today that make the investment to understand it are going to capitalize on it in the future because we as humans spend much less time wanting to read content and way more time wanting to watch content. So if we can create more video content, I think brands that invest now are going to be generating significant dividends in the future because the next generation doesn't want to read your (laughs) 5,000 posts. They want to just watch a tutorial
1: on YouTube that's going to show them how to do something. I think that is uh, that may be a good intersection into like we've been distributing on YouTube for like like a little bit less than a year now, and right. it's like to be honest, it's like we're not really seeing the mm. the uh, yeah. exponential growth there. But right. we, we, I completely agree with what you say that it should be the right channel. Right. So how do you uh, justify efforts? And it's like. It's just a hard channel to understand yeah. the impact of because, yep. you know, they don't expose this user level data sure. and you don't necessarily have the links going left and right to all your yeah. pages. Right. So what is probably the discussion one should have with uh, yourself about uh, should we keep trying or uh, when do we know we're on the right path or how yeah. would you know, advise a client on this, rest? Right.
0: So resources are a key part of it. Like you first and foremost have to start with understanding your resources and whether or not the resources that you're investing into the channel are appropriate to the opportunity that exists. And the way that you assess that on YouTube, in my opinion, is a blend of SEO research. So you need to start by understanding what are high value keywords associated to your industry and your space. What is the volume that is happening within YouTube to actually see how many people are looking for topics like this in our space. How do you get then,
1: volume in YouTube? Just to,
0: sorry to interrupt. One of the tools is Keywords Everywhere. It's a great tool. You can also use Bid IQ. great yeah. tool. Um, these tools will tell you what the search volume is within YouTube around certain keywords. You right. then use that data to identify the total addressable market for different keywords within YouTube. Once you have that information, you can validate the data against actual YouTube videos that are ranking for those keywords. So if I'm going after B2B revenue attribution, that's a keyword. It's probably mm. got relatively low volume. Let's yeah. say it has a thousand searches, 500 searches a month, and that's probably being generous. But let's say it has those. Yeah. What? How many views does the number one ranking video have for that? It's probably got a lot of long tail keywords that are going to it. it. Possibly has some ads going to it. You can use vidIQ to see what the breakdown of their uh, views are ad-based versus organic. Mm. You then use that to better understand whether or not there's an opportunity to recreate this video. Um, If that date on that video was 2019, then, oh, my goodness, goldmine. Go create a 2023 version and make it relevant and timely. Then you can start to capture that traffic. You do that across the board. You're able to set yourself up for success. The other thing that people don't do is they don't audit and actually have a real conversation with themselves about whether or not their content is good. And or whether or not their content is bad. So you should do an actual review to say, okay, are we better than what's already showing up in the SERP within YouTube? Is our content quality where it needs to be? If the answer to that is yes, great, keep going. If it's no, might be time to rethink your actual content strategy and how you're creating content. Your thumbnail is very important. Optimizing all of your thumbnails across the board to actually be click-friendly is important. So making sure that you do that is also key. We've done that for brands where we actually go through all of their past YouTube videos, we (laughs) update their their actual thumbnails to be more click friendly and we take screenshots from their content, optimize them, rewrite their descriptions, making them SEO optimized, links within their description, going back to their website, all of these things. So I know that was a long tangent again, but essentially within YouTube, the way that you start is by doing an analysis of what you've done, Mm. comparing that with the opportunity that exists making the changes and adjustments, stretching that out to say, okay, how long are we willing to tinker and experiment with this? Do we have mm. runway to experiment with six months? Do we see the needle moving? If you do great, continue to invest and you'll be off into the races. So that's a, that's the way that we approach it typically at foundation. Brilliant. Um, and yeah. I think that's the approach that smart brands should be looking at YouTube.
1: Yeah, Ross, that, that's some, I'll just pull this up uh, to give you some credit here, but the says that i'm so glad i joined this russ simmons and this is a gold mine and oh, i think is. this is probably the best explanation i've heard about how to start, go to youtube before so, so great job there russ thank you appreciate it uh, so we jumped off the course when we were yep. at the creating content the spark tour all that kind of thing so yeah. now we're putting out content uh is there anything after that or how do you see it
0: yeah so now we're putting out content you've written a blog post, you're creating webinars, you're creating eBooks, you're creating podcasts, whatever it might be, you're creating these assets. The next step is to actually distribute these assets in the channels that make sense to you. Now, again, it's going to depend from one organization to the next, but you wanna have someone who owns the distribution process and is in charge of ensuring that assets get distributed or you work with a great company like Foundation and we'll do it for you. But essentially what you're gonna, shameless plug, Um, but essentially what you wanna do is you take that webinar, let's say. You launch it, it goes live. After it goes live, you need to have a process in place that outlines the predefined ways in which that asset is going to be distributed. It's going to go live as a blog post. Okay. Within that blog post, we're also going to have a CTA telling people that if they want to re-watch it, they can go to this link, submit their email, then they go into your MQLs or leads. They can go into your, your form. In addition to that you now want to promote that blog post so you're going to tweet that blog post you're going to share it on linkedin etc in the same time while this is happening it's probably been about 48 hours after the webinar went live you're listening to that webinar and you're trying to find key moments key moments where the person on the webinar educated engaged entertained or empowered the audience in some way find those key moments and chop them up. You're going to chop them up into short social clips. You're going to have them formatted for both vertical and horizontal. And then you're going to distribute those on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Quora, whatever channels make sense to you. YouTube shorts, you're going to upload them there. Once those assets are distributed, you're going to make sure that you're also having a CTA throughout, telling people where they could get that webinar so they can go back to it. Now, At this point, you're probably already feeling a little bit exhausted, but early on, you should have done some research to understand what communities your audience is spending time on. You then are going to take that blog post and you're gonna take that blog post and you're gonna start to submit it into those communities, Mm -hmm. but you're not gonna do it in a spammy way. You're gonna do it in a way that makes it seem like you're adding value to the community. Hey folks, I got so much value out of this community over the last few months. I wanted to share with you a webinar that we just hosted at dream data that i think you're going to get a ton of value in yeah i know that you get a lot of these links but let me give you a few insights around what we talk about and you give it to them there so they don't have to actually click on it then at the bottom of that piece you say if you're interested in learning more check out this link so by adding context in the post immediately you're not as likely to get marked as spam you're going to be seen as a value giver you're giving people value great and while all of this is happening. Your sales team should also have that blog post or that webinar in their signature. So when they're sending off an email that it says, PS, did you just know, hear that our CEO was on this webinar with so-and-so, yeah, yeah, yeah. check it out. There's a message going out to Slack that says, hey, everybody on our team like this update that our t- company's page just shared. People start to like it, they start to comment on it. That can Perfect. be set up in a Zapier where you just like, if something gets published, it goes up in your promotions Slack channel and then everybody starts to like and engage. At this point, if you're not already exhausted, yeah. then you start to say, okay, how can I share this on my own account? Maybe I'll yeah. record a video and share that with my personal audience on LinkedIn to let them know that this has gone live and I think they're gonna love it. You amplify it, you promote it, and then you go with there. And then if that's not enough for you, then you go and find a few questions in Quora that are asking that exact same question. You answer those questions
1: in Quora, yeah. the link to the webinar, and then you call it a day. Go get some champagne and pop it up. That's really, really, really great, Ross. Um, And on the the foundation blog, is there like a content distribution checklist or anything like that? We do, yeah. So
0: there is a content distribution checklist. If you
1: um, go to Google and type in foundation
0: content distribution checklist, it should show up. Um, Or if you go to rosssimmons.com slash Distro Checklist. I believe okay. that is we'll make sure app. to find
1: it and then put them up afterwards. At least that's yeah, exactly. super helpful. Yeah, and anyone can reach out to me and I'll be sure
0: to send it over to you. Feel free to flip yeah. me a note on LinkedIn. Just uh, let me know where you heard it and I'll, uh, I'll get it over to you.
1: Yeah. Have we come to the end of the uh, the Ross Simmons playbook or is there an after the, the distribution part, is there another uh, layer? To There's it? one more step. There's one Let's more step. It. So <laughs> after the distribution is done, you have to optimize the content because time
0: yeah. is the one thing that we're always all going to be up against. So great. You distributed it. You promoted it. Three months later, you're still promoting it. Six months later, you're still promoting it. Twelve months later, you're still promoting it. But things have changed in the industry. Now you need to be having a system in place for optimization and maintenance. So that blog post that you wrote where you're referencing the person who worked at a certain company and a stat that they shared about that moment in that time, you need to update that piece. You also want to understand, okay, this piece is getting a handful of backlinks with this keyword. Hmm, Why don't we start to update the title of this piece to actually reflect that keyword because it wasn't optimized correctly. We went off of something that they talked about that wasn't actually relevant. So let's change the title. Let's update that. And by doing so, maybe we'll be able to capture some some, um, space in the SERP around this topic. So you start to optimize your pieces based off of that. You then are also looking at, let's say you had a YouTube video that launched six months later, and it's on the same topic, you embed that YouTube video in that piece that you created 12 months ago, six months ago. So now that YouTube video is starting to get traffic. This is a a cheat code that a lot of brands don't really see when it comes to their launch of YouTube. If you've created a YouTube video that is on a topic that you've already written in the past, on your blog and that blog post is generating a bunch of traffic, a cheat code to accelerating the actual view count on that video is to embed it in that old blog post because that blog post is already ranking in the SERP. It's already generating traffic. Let's capitalize on that value and drive it to another channel. So the optimization process happens long term. The distribution process happens long-term. And when yeah. you do that, you shift your mindset of just create, 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 create to a mindset around creating ones, distributing, and optimizing
1: forever. I think there's, there's one thing I want to go in there. So you said like you you take the YouTube, put it into a blog post, Um I get the SEO component that the longer time people spend on that page consuming that piece of content, the, hopefully the better it ranks. But you also talked about the view count of the mm-hmm. uh, YouTube video. Is there some view count related stuff in terms of how it ranks in, in YouTube as well? It is. So the more views that a piece gets, the more likely it's going to rank.
0: Um, if the time spent watching it is higher, yeah. then yeah. it's going to rank even better. Um, but what I have seen from experience is like the va- a lot of people now more than ever want to see video content. And if you can embed it within your blog post and save them the time from reading and they can just watch it or they'll press play, move the browser over to the left and do their work in another browser in a tab, you still get the whole view, but they're just listening. They're not watching you. That's a good experience for the user and for Google and for YouTube. Um, So it's 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 a easy way to
1: essentially kill two birds with one stone. Super brilliant, Russ. Thank i think mean, after so. I, I feel so bad because there's so many things we could do uh, better than what we're <laughs> what we're doing today um is there any kind of advice you feel that on this topic you you feel like you could give as well ross or you have yeah been around i will.
0: and it's gonna stem exactly from what you said around like you feel so bad like yeah. you don't feel bad that's the first piece because a lot <laughs> of a lot of A lot of marketers, a lot of leaders, a lot of organizations um, make the mistake of completely changing their strategy on the whim after hearing someone talk on a podcast or webinar around a different tactic. And what I want to encourage all of the listeners to do is to take a pause and take a break before you say, we need to be on Slack. We need to be on Reddit. We need to add a blog post to every salesperson's email signature before you do any of that. Go back to fundamentals and start to understand where you are today, where your strengths are, where your resources are, and understand what is actually possible with what you have today. My dad always said an amazing quote. He said, it's better to have one good kid than two bad. And the same thinking <laughs> needs to be applied to distribution. Yeah. It's way better to be excellent and amazing on LinkedIn and melt that for all it's worth than to be mediocre on LinkedIn, mediocre on X, mediocre on YouTube, mediocre at SEO, mediocre on Medium. Horrible scenario to be in because you're stretching your resources across all of these channels to just be mediocre and you Mm -hmm. never stand out. So I would encourage people to understand your situation. Do the research into your current situation. If you need to outsource a certain channel to a partner, do it, embrace that model, but don't throw out what you've built from a brand equity lens or from a value lens just because of something new that you heard. Um, so, my advice to everyone is to yes. take a step back, evaluate your scenario, and then be strategic in identifying where you go next versus trying to do all of the things at once. Because I get messages literally every month Ross, I tried to be on Reddit, I tried to be on Medium, I tried to be on Core, I tried to do all of these different things and now I'm burnt out. Mm-hmm. What in the world? what did I do wrong? Yeah. What you did wrong was you tried to do all the things (laughs) you can't do all the things unless you have $5 billion worth of market traction. Like you can't be excellent everywhere. You can't be excellent on TikTok, Reddit, Quora, Facebook, LinkedIn, medium, all of these things, unless you have ridiculous budgets. So my advice is truly to figure out a few good things that you can be excellent at, go all in, be excellent and then move on to the next one um, or partner, find a partner and
1: let them be great for you on these various channels. Super, super, super brilliant, Russ. Thank um, you. the last thing, if people want to speak more with you or your company or stuff like that, where should they head? Yeah, the easiest would
0: probably be on X or on LinkedIn. You can find me at Ross Simmons or at The Coolest Cool. I'd love to connect with you. I created my Twitter handle when I was in university. So um, don't judge me for that, but it's stuck. So I'm keeping it. Um, But yeah, I'd love to connect with folks on all the different channels. If you add me to LinkedIn though, please let me know that you heard me on the Dream Data um, podcast and our live show. Um, I get way too many connections, but if you include that, I'll be sure to connect with you back and we'll, uh, we'll stay connected.
1: Brilliant, Ross. Thank you so much for joining. And uh, yeah, we'll be sure to follow up on all these good advices. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It's always See a pleasure.
0: Take care. Cheers. So there you have it, folks. That is my interview with Dream Datas CEO. I had a blast chatting with them. I hope you got a lot of value out of this episode. If you enjoyed it, please. Smash that five-star rating review wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to forward this, share it, and send it off with a friend. I think they will enjoy it as well. Thank you again for enjoying the episode, and I will see you on the internet. Go create something great.
1: If you want to know how to create like the grades, let's break it down.